Gracious God, we're here and we're celebrating and we're thankful. And now as we come to your word, uh, Lord, this incredible book inspired by you that we might have truth revealed to us. We pray that by the ministry of your spirit, we will be captured again by its contents. Come among us, spirit of God, and move in power that we might be led to that place that you have for us, each of us in our own lives, um, that we might be fully yours and know the blessing and the joy of what it means to follow Christ. And this we pray in his name. Amen. You know, there are a lot of sayings in the, um, in the uh, vocabulary that we use that have a lot of historical significance that we don't necessarily understand. Uh, we use the phrases, but we don't necessarily know their historical background. And I, kind of, I, I enjoy finding out what that historical background is. For example, caught red-handed. You know what the phrase means. I mean, you're caught and you can't deny that you, 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 that, that you have done something that you probably shouldn't have done. You're caught red-handed. Another little phrase, you're as guilty as sin. You know, you're, you're dead to rights, and there, here I go, right? Well, there's a phrase, oh, and what, where that comes from, by the way, is medieval England. Uh, the nobility lo- owned all the land, like all of it. And the, the nobility, think king if you wish, because he would be then at the top of the pyramid or queen. They owned large tracts of forest And they would own that land for lots of reasons, but one of them would be that they would go hunting. And it was mostly for sport, although I suppose it also provided food for their vast needs, but mostly to sharpen their skills militarily and so forth. And they would just enjoy it, and they would gather together their people, and they would go hunt. Now, um, fine and good, but the peasants who lived on that land were not allowed to hunt on that land. And if they did and were caught, they would be severely punished. But sometimes, you know, they were starving and they would go onto the land of the nobility and they would kill a deer and they would butcher it and they would sneak it home and they would eat it to feed their families and so forth. And that was their hope, of course, to not get caught. But sometimes they would be caught as they butchered the animal red-handed, dead to rights. And they would be severely punished even to the point of losing their lives because they were violating the law of the king and his property. One of the phrases that has emerged in the church is a phrase that I have a question about. And I don't necessarily have a definite answer for you. I have a suspicion that I will share with you. But have you heard the phrase about people being on fire for Christ? I've grown up with that phrase. It it talks about people who are passionate for Jesus, people who are so convinced of him and so in love with him that they live their lives for him and for his purposes. They long to do what he desires done in and through their lives and in this world. They are passionate for Jesus, and I don't know definitively where that comes from, but I have a suspicion. And that is that it likely comes from Acts chapter two in Pentecost. When it says that the Spirit came upon those believers after the ascension of Jesus, and we've, we have looked at this passage um, in, in recent weeks and months where, where it, it said that the Holy Spirit came as, uh, in tongues of fire and it separated and rested on each of these people, and they became, I suspect, on fire for Jesus. And we've talked about what happened in their lives. It was a dramatic change. I mean, there was uh, an undeniable transition from what was to what became in their lives. We talked about how they loved the things of God and they loved to worship and they loved the word of God and to, to learn it from the apostles and they loved to pray and they loved fellowship, shared life, community living together. And on and on the story goes. And we've talked about this, this dynamic of them being so filled with the spirit of God that their lives were made new. 
And today what I want to do is to talk about, uh, 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 again, what it means to be filled with the Spirit from Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read that verse to you just as a foundation for where we're headed. Again, Ephesians 5 verse 18, don't be drunk with wine. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation just for the sake of change and maybe a little illumination. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to know, uh, notice something about that, uh, uh, that sentence. Uh, we're, we're told what to do. It's a command. Do this. Become this. It's something that God wants for us. It's something that we're called to. It is in the heart of God that we would live our lives as people who are filled up with the Spirit of God. As those early Christians were in Acts chapter 2, in love with Him and on fire for Jesus. Passionate about the things of God. Um, I want to make a couple of points from the, just before we jump into the actual how-to because I want to coach you a little bit about what this means and what it looks like and what it, what it can mean for us practically in our lives. Number one, um, we can't produce this. When I say, how do you get filled with the Spirit? It's not like we can sit back and you know, do A, B, C, and D. And I'm going to give you A, B, C, and D today, by the way. Uh, but it, it, it's not like it's in our hands. It's something that God blesses us with. Like those early Christians, as they waited before Pentecost, as Jesus told them to, they couldn't create the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. It was the action of the Spirit of God coming upon them at His appointed time and in His appointed way and in His appointed place, and they were filled and they were changed. It is God who fills us by His Spirit. We don't do it. But I want to point out to you that one thing we can do is locate ourselves in such a way in our lives so that it's more likely for this to happen. Remember Jesus, before his ascension, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift that my Father will give you. And you know what these Christians did? They went to Jerusalem and they waited. They did exactly what Jesus had suggested and they waited and they prayed and, and, and in the moment of God's choice, they were filled, overflowing so that their lives were made new. So they located themselves in such a fashion in obedience to the Lord Jesus that they put themselves in a place where indeed this filling took place and we can do the very same thing. We can, we can form our lives, if you would, in such a fashion that we can know based on the grace and action of God the filling of the Spirit, and to live this way. This, this verse, I mean, be, this little phrase, be filled with the Spirit, if you knew the original language, as many of you will know, it's a very common thing now. It says to be filled and keep on being filled. It's not a one-time dynamic. It's, a, it's an experience that we have day after day after day after day. It's like having a glass of water. You fill it up and you drink it, but you have to fill it again in order to drink it, to be satisfied and to be transformed and changed physically within. You have to fill it up and you have to drink it. So we have to embrace this idea of, of, of discovering how we can enter into this dynamic experience with God where God pours His Spirit into our lives and we are made new and we are changed. Um, I want you to realize too, based on this text, that if Paul is telling Christians to be filled, to go ahead and, if you would, do this, it's possible to be a Christian and not be filled. It's possible to have the glass of water and drink it and put it down and never fill it up again. You get that? And if those who are filled experience all that we've talked about in recent weeks, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, so they be, become people of love and joy and of peace and, 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 and patience and self-control and all those various things, 
If, if people are led by the Spirit when they're filled by the Spirit, if people are tr- uh, 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 revealed truth and they grasp the truth of God in a way that transforms their hearts and their lives by the Spirit, if you're not filled by the Spirit, the opposite is true. Oh, I'd love to be filled with the Spirit so I love and joy and peace and patience. Well, if you're not filled by the Spirit, there's probably not going to be a lot of love and joy and peace and patience. It'll be the opposite, actually. Self-centeredness. And instead of joy, there might be despair. <laughs> instead of peace, there might be internal turmoil and struggle and so forth. Instead of being led by the Spirit, you're going like, led by the Spirit? What does that mean? I just do what I do because I feel like doing it. Instead of being in that experience where the Spirit of God takes truth and brings it alive and, and, and impacts your life, you read the Bible and it's a dry, empty book and it has no meaning for you. And I want to say to every single person here today, not only are we, if we're followers of Jesus, right? If you stepped into that relationship, Not only is it possible to be filled with the Spirit of God, it's possible to not be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, the Spirit's in us. If we have come to faith, the Spirit's presence is with us. He dwells within us. Question is, and can I make it personal today? In this time and in this place, in this moment, are you, follower of Jesus, filled by the Spirit of God? Are you? Right here, right now? Will you be tomorrow? And will you be on Tuesday? And will you be on Wednesday? You see the significance of this instruction, this command that is given to us, be filled with the Spirit. And according to the Greek uh, uh, language, which makes clear the instruction, be filled, but keep on being filled day after day after day. Keep on being filled because you're going to need that. I want to tell you, my friends, God comes along to us by His Spirit by his, the truth of his, his word, and he said, there is a way that you might live where you are encountering me, where you are in intimate relationship with me, and the, the presence of the Spirit of God, as we said last week, will just overflow from you, and you will become people of love, joy, and peace, etc. You will become people who are led by the Spirit. You will become people who, and on and on it goes, you will become people who are on fire for Christ, and he and his love and his mission will take root in your life. And he will transform you because you're filled by the Spirit of God. And today what I want to do um, is, if you would, coach you a little bit on how to get to that place, how to locate yourself before the Lord that you might live that kind of life. Again, I just want to affirm it. I don't know. I just have a real strong sense. Are you on fire for Jesus today or is he just some, some kind of secondary dynamic in your life are you living with him for passion with passion are you loving worship and loving his word and loving prayer and are you loving being in the community of god's people are you living a spiritually focused life or not and again i just want to hold this out to you we're offered something by god that is life transforming and an incredible gift and blessing which we might know so There's the context. How do we locate ourselves? What do we do? I'm just going to march through four points. And for Aaron's sake, I'm going to go really quickly. I think we've got the time we need. Number one, each of these points, by the way, is, well, the first two, I think, could be quite striking to you. So I'm just going to tell you. Number one, deal decisively with sin in your life. Deal decisively with sin in your life. Now, I need to qualify what sin is. Didn't have to do that a generation ago. Today I do. That which is contrary to the revealed word of God, the the revealed will of God as revealed to us in the Bible. 
I got to get back to this because even the church is starting to think like the culture. And we think if the culture says it's okay, then it's okay. No, 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 no. We don't listen to the culture. We listen to the Spirit of God speaking through the truth of Scripture. And all of us struggle with sin. It's part of our fallen nature. It's just the dynamic of our lives. But if we want to be filled by the Spirit of God, we have to intentionally and decisively deal with sin that is in our lives right now. Um, we have to confess all known sin and repent of it. We have to come to God and say, Lord, I've done this and it's wrong. I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to change my life and I'm going to walk away from it. I'm going to leave it in my past. By your grace at work in me through your spirit, he will strengthen me, right? It has to be the dynamic of our lives that we not be people who live in sin. Now, all of us are going to sin, but as soon as we sin, then we confess it and we are restored to that intimate place of relationship and fellowship with Jesus. That's the issue. Let me read to you this, this text from um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 to 32. This text is in the context of, of Paul saying to the Ephesian churches, he's saying, you know, put off the old and put on the new. This is the way you used to live. This is the way you're to live now. And then he gives a whole bunch of examples of what to put off, what to no longer live in, like lying and, 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 and profanity and, and, and so forth. Don't, don't sin in your anger. That's the text. And in the middle of that text, this is what he says, and do not grieve, note the word, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of, and here we go, all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I want to talk just for a little while about what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. If any of you have ever grieved the loss of someone very close to you, you know how painful grief is. It's, it's really awful. And what Paul is saying is when the, the, the followers of Jesus sin, and particularly when they live in ongoing sin, they are grieving the Spirit of God. The New, the new Living Translation describes this as don't bring sorrow uh, to the Holy Spirit. And the Message Translation, which is uh, really interesting and sometimes really great uh, paraphrase of the Bible, says don't grieve God, don't break His heart. Hmm. Do you know when we sin, especially if we refuse to repent of and walk away from it, we're breaking the heart of God? You know, you can do that. That's remarkable. You and me. I'm studying uh, the, the Noah story quite a bit. You're going to hear about that later uh, in the fall. And it talks about how sin had covered the earth and, and, and God regretted having created humanity and it said that there was, there was pain in his heart because of what he saw. Wow, that is really, really significant. The point here is this. There is no way we can be filled with the Spirit of God if we are grieving the Spirit of God. You see, when we are filled with the Spirit of God, there is this, this beautiful, intimate, sweet relationship that we have with God by His Spirit. And when we sin and we don't confess, that, re that relationship still stands, but the fellowship, the intimacy, the closeness is broken. It is violated. And I want to tell you, my friends, um, in that instance uh, of unconfessed, ongoing sin, the blessing of God will be removed from us. The Spirit remains, <laughs> guaranteeing our salvation, a seal. We just read about that, right? But the fellowship with Jesus and His Spirit disappears, and I want to tell you the power of the Holy Spirit disappears in our lives. And I want to stand before you as your pastor, as I do on occasion, and I want to say, is there sin in your life that needs dealt with today? 
Because if you want to know everything God has for you, if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God and have the experiences of that filling that I have described for a bunch of weeks now, you must deal with that sin. You must confess it and you must repent of it. Because, or, or, because until you do, you will never know the filling of the Spirit of God. You will be grieving the Spirit. And He will withhold the blessing that He has for you. That is kind of heavy, isn't it? It's significant, but I want you to take it as such. Number two, this too is significant. After we have, and I'm going to suggest this become a natural practice in your life, day by day you confess sin, the sin in your life. Secondly, we need to yield our lives entirely to Christ. Now I know for people who may be hearing that for the first time or who have never done that before, that is a huge statement. Yield my life entirely to Christ? Yes. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I would say to you. Um, because again, I want to suggest we cannot expect the filling of the Spirit without this sort of yielding. Just a, a sincere, honest giving of our lives to Jesus. Wholeheartedly, fully saying, Lord, uh, today my life is yielded to you and I will live for you in every way that you lead me to. Whatever you want, I want. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Whatever you want me to stop doing, sin, I will stop. If you want me to serve, I will serve. God, my life is lived entirely for you. Romans 12, verse 1. Well-quoted verse in this church, but a ver uh, obviously a verse maybe that I love. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, whole, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To offer your bodies, in that context, it's just not speaking of our physical reality. It's our whole being. These folks didn't divide between body and emotion and mind and heart. No. Give yourself entirely to God. I want to tell you, my friends, in that, in that place, in that dynamic, God will come and he will fill you with his being and he will, he will enable you to be everything that we have spoken of. You will know the blessing of the fullness of the Spirit of God. Um... You know, the reality is that in another passage of Scripture, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ and I no, I no longer live. And he talks about, by li about living by faith in the Son of God who, 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 who loved me and gave himself for me. We are, as followers of Jesus, just supposed to die to self that Christ might live in us by his Spirit. I'm here to ask you today, uh, you know, and I know it's serious. Like, this is... These are, these are life-changing decisions that people choose to make out of faith. But have you yielded your life and do you continue to yield your life fully and completely to Christ? You see, if we have been crucified with Christ and if we no longer live, if we have offered our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord, it's not so much about what we want, it's about what He wants. It's not about our desires, it's about His desires. It's not about our purposes for life. And this was reflected in what these Young adults told us today, it's about what Jesus wants for our lives. And, and in this dynamic, our lives are reoriented, reoriented around Christ and his will for us. <clears throat> what I want to say, my friends, <clears throat> and I want you to understand what I mean by this. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we do not enter into a relationship with God on an equal footing with him. You know what I mean by that? With, with equality, such a profound 
value in our society. I think sometimes people think, yeah, I can follow Jesus, and he and I are on this equal footing. I'm here to tell you today, that's not so. You know why? Because God is God, and we are mere human beings created in his image. He is God, all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty, and if we are to be in a relationship with him, we just come in as his loving children, ready to hear and to do what he calls us to do. He is Lord, we are not. And I want to tell you, if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, not only do you have to deal decisively with sin in your life, you must yield your life to Jesus. Say, Lord, whatever you want of me, I will do. My life is yours. And then you need to start listening as the Spirit of God starts talking, and all of a sudden life changes. Step number two, do you do that? On a daily basis, come into the presence of the Lord Jesus and say, hey, confess my sin. I yield my life. Number three, and we're locating ourselves, right? Number three, we have to <clears throat> do these things that I've just described to you in the context of time alone with God. Mm. Oh, Chris, I don't have time for that. Okay. You won't be filled with the Spirit of God on a regular, ongoing basis. Your choice. But there's this incredible opportunity for you to have an intimate relationship with God and to experience God in life-changing ways, day by day by day. But you need to withdraw and be on your own with Him for a time. I'm going to take you to <clears throat> Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Um, Jesus has just been baptized, <clears throat> excuse me, in preparation for the ministry that he's about to enter into. And it says this. Note the references to the Holy Spirit in this, please. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. He was there already, right? He was there already. Left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil... He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. And out of that hunger, of course, was this temptation, this, this, this call of evil in, into his life to <clears throat> reject the will of God that he might have more uh, fame and, 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 and so forth, acclamation in his own life from a very human perspective. Well, you know what? Jesus came out of that time alone with God, if you would, and I want to read verse 14 to you. At the end of that 40 days, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee, say it with me, in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. Why was Jesus powerful in ministry? Even he, the Son of God, it was because he was filled with the Spirit of God. In this instance, how did he get to that place of being filled with the Spirit of God so that he was powerful for God? <laughs> he went off and he spent time on his own with his Father. Now, was he tempted? Yes. Was he tempted to sin? Yes. But I want to tell you, not only was he alone with God, he fasted and he prayed, and he obviously spent time, significant time in the Word of God, because every time he was tempted, he responded with a biblical text. He knew it. It was alive in him. It was present to him, and it was powerful in him because of his experience with God. You see, he literally located himself in that place, and God, by his Spirit, moved in a dramatic fashion in his life and enabled him to say no to sin. We talked about that last week. <laughs> when we are filled with the Spirit, we're able to say no to the desires of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5. And Jesus was able to say no because the Spirit empowered him to say no to what the devil was tempting him with. And in that place, God so spoke into his life by his Spirit. He so encountered the Spirit of God in those 40 days where he had removed himself from the world to encounter the Lord that he was powerful, both in the rejection of sin and in the ministry which was to come. At the end, if you carry on with that text, I want to read to you verses 18 and 19 which say this. 
Jesus speaking, quoting, I believe from Isaiah, uh, applying the prophecy to himself. Listen, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's exactly what he did through the rest of his life, his three-year ministry. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord had anointed him and he was powerful for God as God moved through him. My friends, um, we need to be in that place where we come into the presence of the Lord just one-on-one -on -one with him and we withdraw from the busyness of the world and we confess our sin to God and we yield our life to God and we dwell in his word and we pray. If you want to follow Jesus' example, you can fast. But in that quiet place, it is there that the Spirit of God fills our being with himself and we are made new. We are changed. We are transformed. You know, I might be talking to people who say, well, I'm going to do the spiritual thing on Sunday morning and that's about enough. Again, your choice. I'm, I'm thrilled you're here. In a way, you are withdrawing from the busyness of the world to be with God and to hear his word and to pray, right? Fabulous. But if you fill your cup once a day, you probably have your cup drunk by the end of the day and it'll be empty the rest of the week. And I, I could probably pretty much guarantee that you are not going to be on fire for Christ because you will be tempted to sin and you likely will and you won't have confessed it and you won't have yielded your life to Christ. And I want to tell you, you're not going to know the experience of God in the way that you could unless you establish this practice in your life which has been coached in the Christian church for millennia now of just withdrawing and time alone with him. You need Sunday morning. You get something here that you don't get on, in your living room on your own, but you need your living room on your own with God to, to be filled up with the Spirit and to be empowered by the very being of God. And lastly, number four. And this is really simple. This is, this is kind of the easy one. We have to ask the Lord to fill us with his Spirit. Can I ask you, do you do that with any regularity in your life? just wondering because this is really critical stuff if you're going to go deeper with God that's what I'm talking about in this series going deeper with God encountering God more understanding the presence presence is always there but the power of the spirit of God in us let me read to you Luke 11 9 to 13 Jesus is responding to the disciples and he's taught about prayer and he's taught he's given them the Lord's prayer and so forth and then he says this so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the, uh, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Yeah, think about it. Daddy, can I have a fish? I'm hungry. And you stick a, uh, a snake in his face. He's saying, no, you're not going to do that. <laughs> or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion here, son, you know, let this thing sting you, you know. And he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You hear what Jesus is saying? You know, us in our brokenness and in our struggle and in our humanness, if, it, if it's somehow inherent in us as parents to give good things to our children when they ask, and, and it is inherent in us, it's there. We want to bless our children. Jesus is saying, how much more 
does your heavenly father, and it's infinitely more, by the way, have this huge desire to give to you good gifts when we ask them of him? <laughs> it says, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to suggest to you, my friends, the call in our life is to get into that quiet place with the Lord, to confess all known sin and to restore that deep fellowship with Jesus, to yield our lives entirely to him and to his desire for our, our lives. To, 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 and, and to then just simply say, Lord, give me your spirit. Lord, give me your Holy Spirit and power. Fill me that I might know you. And I want to encourage you to this. I want to encourage you this every day of your life. Say, Chris, come on, that sounds burdensome. No, 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 no. This is the pathway to joy. This is the means whereby you, we come into a place where we know the intimate presence of God in our lives and we are enabled and empowered to know the fullness of life in Jesus. It, is, it can be the most wonderful and um, life-changing and beautiful things you do in your day. If you need to start with 10 minutes, give them 10 minutes. It'll probably grow in time into half an hour because this is what you long for and maybe even more. But give them that time. This series has been a series whereby I have essentially asked you from day one, do you want more of God? My contention is this. I don't know whether you can identify yourself in this, this place or not, but my contention is this, that many followers of Jesus only scratch the surface of what it means to know him. They come to a place of faith. They step into the kingdom of God. But all of a sudden at that point, they think, that well, that's enough, and I'm all done. <laughs> and they start to spend their lives focused on other things, loving other things, pursuing other things. And it's like Jesus is here, but he's just kind of an add-on to my life. He's quite literally a bit peripheral to me as opposed to being the center of my life, dwelling profoundly in my heart by his Spirit. <clears throat> and there are too many Christians who never go deeper with God. And I hope you're not one of them. There are too many Christians who never discover the deeper things of the spiritual life which is available to them through the filling of the Holy Spirit of God whereby their lives are transformed in ways we've described. As we finish today, I'm just going to offer you an opportunity. <clears throat> Because what I've described to you in terms of locating ourselves in the presence of the Lord is easy to do. We're going to bow our heads in a minute, if you wish. And I'm going to quote you three, through three steps. The fourth, as I say, has already been established. You're here. <laughs> and I, I applaud you for that. You're seeking God. You want more of him. I assume that's why you're here. And I'm going to give you the opportunity in the quietness of this place to confess all known sin to the Lord. And I'm going to just coach you. I'll suggest that if you choose that you would yield your life fully and wholeheartedly to Christ, his purpose, his will, his desire, his way to him. And then I'm going to give you the opportunity to very simply say this, Lord, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will fill me with your spirit here and now. I open my life to that precious gift that you offer to me that I might know you intimately as I go from this place today. 
I want us to do this. You know what I want? Then I want tomorrow morning to get up and take a few minutes, half an hour, and do it again. And Tuesday morning, get up and do it again. Wednesday morning, get up and do it again. And as you are filled, as the cup gets filled, you will be someone who is on fire for Christ. Maybe like you have never been before because the Spirit of God is now filling your life if by the grace of God he chooses to act. I think he will. So, in the presence of the Spirit of God who is with us today, let's pray. Lord, we've heard today from your word, uh, this holy Bible, this inspired book, that you call us to more with you. That you want us to be filled and to continue being filled by your spirit in an ongoing fashion. And today, so today, Lord, we come in this place, in this holy, quiet place for those who wish to just take some steps toward being filled with your spirit. And we pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you will move now, that you will act in us, that you will enable us to do these very things, and that then you will fill us. So we pray. My friends, I just want to take a few moments now to offer you the opportunity, if you wish, to confess all known sin before God. going to give you the opportunity at this point if you choose to fully yield your life to Jesus now I would just encourage you if you wish um, to invite the Lord to fill you with his spirit to move in a new way to empower you to enable you to know him and to serve him as he wishes Lord, we are so thankful that Christ has come and he has died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin, that we might be reconciled to you. Oh God, how thankful we are. But to God, we are thankful for the giving of the Holy Spirit into this world and into our lives, that we might be filled with the Spirit, that we might have an intimate, ongoing relationship with the living God, so much so that you, Lord, by your Spirit, spill out of our lives and transform our lives in a deep and profound and life-changing way. Lord, for those who have opened up their lives to you today and have invited your presence, I just pray a huge movement, God, of your Spirit in them. God, I pray a huge movement of your Holy Spirit in the life of this church that we would be transformed, that we would be changed, that we might be the mechanism through which the world sees and knows the reality of God, that we might be a people in whom the presence of God is powerfully at work. Come, Holy Spirit, among us. Transform us.
change us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us that we might take hold of all that we might know in Christ. God, these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.